Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Intuitive Transformations with your host, Sylvia Henderson, and discover tools, wisdom, and inspiration that will empower you to transform your life. Sylvia is an intuitive life coach and energy healer with a growing practice that is focused on empowering others to be more of who they want to be. For the next hour, join Sylvia and explore and unravel anything in the way of you creating the life that you would love to live on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Intuitive Transformations radio show, where you will find tools you can use to change and transform your life every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ohm Times radio network, The Voice of Consciousness at OhmTimes.com. This is Sylvia Henderson, your host, and I am an intuitive life coach and energy healer. If you would like to learn more about me and the work that I do, please visit my website at intuitivetransformations.net. That's intuitivetransformations.net. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter if you haven't already, and you'll receive a special gift from me to you. Again, that website is intuitivetransformations.net. So before we start the show, I have something to get off of my chest. And if you're new to my show, I want you to know that I normally do not rant or vent anger on this show because that is not what this show is about. However, I have to tell you that I am completely appalled and horrified by what is happening in the United States with Trump and his administration's heinous lies and immoral attack against families, the psychological and emotional abuse of children who are literally literally being torn away from their parents, screaming and crying. These children, some of which are young toddlers, are sent to internment camps that look like cages for animals for an indefinite period of time where they are not allowed to be held or comforted. Many of these children will never see their parents again. I don't know about you, but if you don't think there's something very wrong with this picture, then I'm a little concerned. Um, there's been so much misinformation coming from the Trump administration that is simply not true. Yes, it is a crime to cross the U.S. border illegally. However, historically, the punishment for crossing the U.S. border illegally has always been looked at as a misdemeanor, with the end result being that families with their children are sent back across the border. But the Trump administration has changed the consequences of crossing the border without a visa to their liking in the hopes of getting a wall built between the U.S. and Mexico. Now, to make it perfectly clear, many of these families uh, that are being separated are not even coming from Mexico. 
Uh, many are coming from Ecuador and El Salvador and other parts of Latin America. And they came to the U.S. seeking political asylum, something the U.S. once prided itself on providing. Unfortunately, we are becoming our worst as a country. And it is time for us to step out of the hopelessness and feeling disempowered and do something to turn ourselves around and return to what really made the melting pot of America great to begin with. Unless you are a Native American, we are all immigrants here in the US. This is the only country in the world with a Statue of Liberty that many who migrate to this country look upon as a symbol of hope and promise. And on that statue are these words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. If this insanity continues and we don't take inspired action to change it, then we are being complicit and we are just as responsible as the ones who are making this happen. So if you are a United States citizen, I am asking you to have an open heart and to please call your two U.S. senators and your two U.S. congressional representatives, whether they are Democrat, Republican, or whatever, or whether you are a Democrat, Republican, or whatever, because that really should not matter right now anymore. And I want to tell, I want you to tell them that you want this cruel, inhumane insanity and child abuse to stop and to stop now. Ask them what they are doing to halt this deplorable treatment of human beings. In the last few years, the U.S. has been falling far away from its guiding principles as a country. But this is not about being a better country. This is about being better human beings. So what does this mean? It means that we cannot allow fear and hopelessness to guide our actions and we cannot limit our disapproval to our private conversations while we go about our day as if all is normal. Because this is about as far from normal as we can possibly get without repeating Hitler's history. With that in mind, I hope that you would be willing to let your voices be heard, even if you feel timid and afraid by your lawmakers. So here is what I'm asking you to do. Please call your U.S. representatives every day until this madness ends. And if you don't know who your representatives are, there is a great website. It's whoismyrepresentative.com. So easy. Whoismyrepresentative.com. You just type in your zip code and hit submit. Your congressional representatives and your U.S. senators will pop up. Click on their name, get their information, put their names and numbers in your smartphone address book and call them every day, twice a day, or even three times a day until this insanity stops. Let's jam the phone lines in Washington and let's be heard. There's a reason the U.S. Constitution starts with we the people because we are the people. We cannot let government be our exclusive voice anymore. We just cannot afford to sit quietly. So that was my rant. I'm done now. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. So let's continue with the show.
Today, we are going to talk about chronic physical pain. And this is something that over 25 million people live with every day. So if you are someone you love experience chronic debilitating physical pain, this is definitely a show you will not want to miss and a show that you'll want to pass on and share within your social media group. Joining me today is Sarah Ann Shockley, and we are going to talk about her personal journey with chronic pain and her unique approach to pain management and pain reduction that is not reliant on pharmaceuticals or medical intervention. Now, before I bring her on, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about her. Sarah Ann Shockley is the author of The Pain Companion, Everyday Wisdom for Living With and Moving Beyond Chronic Pain. In the fall of 2007, Sarah contracted thoracic outlet syndrome, which is a collapse of the area between the clavicles and first ribs and has lived with debilitating nerve pain ever since. She has been a regular columnist for Pain News Network and is a regular contributor to The Mighty, a 1.5 million member online community for those living with chronic illness and pain. Sarah lives in the San Francisco Bay Area and she is joining us today. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sylvia. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk about your experience with chronic pain. Um, I, you know, as before we started the show, you and I had a little bit of a pre-interview and I shared with you that I also am a chronic pain um, sufferer. It's nowhere near as bad as it once was, but in 2012, I was completely bedridden for three months with uh, not one, but all five lumbar discs um, bulging wow. at the same time. And I couldn't walk and it was, it was uh, pretty intense. I didn't think I would ever yeah. walk to be quite honest. Yeah. And um, I was able to avoid surgery, but I still have um, chronic sciatica and it's manageable. Mm. But um, it took me a long time to get there. So I would love for yeah. you to share with everyone your personal journey with chronic pain because you, you know, you were sitting at a desk and you developed something that was, some, you know, it's something that you wouldn't think would cause your situation, but it did. Oh, yeah, it was a, quite a surprise. I'd been very active and athletic all my life, was very fit, ate right, did all the right things. And I developed thoracic outlet syndrome, or TOS, from computer use. So um, I'm almost six foot tall, and I was using a very small keyboard in a non-ergonomic situation for many hours a day. And uh, eventually the, the area between my collarbones and first rib collapsed from that kind of crunching, scrunching posture that I didn't even realize I was doing. Um, and it, it, it came on pretty quickly. I had a couple little aches and pains here and there, but they were not consistent and they weren't in the same place and I didn't know what they were about. And then one day I just uh, was in incredible pain all over my back and neck and I thought, what is this? And my hands were tingling and my, you know, I had shooting pains and everything just kind of stopped in terms of my ability to use my body. So I had to stop working. I was a single mom. Um, I was not bedridden like you were, but I could barely walk, walked forward, kind of bent forward, had to move really slowly, could drive only very short distances. 
Um, and everything I did with my hands and arms was really painful. Could barely turn my neck at all. So um, I, you know, suddenly everything stopped. You know, I just had no life anymore overnight. And I know this happens for other people who are experiencing pain right now that are listening in or people that they know that sometimes it just comes on like boom. And what do you do? And you're just, you know, unable to participate and unable to contribute and unable to be the parent you want to be and unable to be the the friend you want to be or the spouse or whatever it is that's going on in your life. And um, in my case, I'm, I'm, not, I'm somebody who tends to use natural remedies anyway, but I did try medications and uh, as part of my process with my neurologist. And um, the most of what I, every single th- thing that I was given did not really help the pain. Nerve pain is very difficult to work with. Um, kind of put it at a little bit of a distance, but gave me worse migraines, uh, more insomnia, nausea, headache, you know, different, they all had different, a melange of kind of horrible side effects. So, and plus, I it, they fogged me out, and you can't really fog out terribly if you're going to be a parent and driving people around and trying to still carry on. So, I let those go. Um, and for thoracic outlet syndrome, there isn't much in terms of therapy. Uh, I had I had had it, and it's, I still have it, but I'm coming through the other side of it slowly. On both sides of the body, usually people have it only on one side. And usually it affects maybe one, maybe two areas, muscular or vascular or nerve. And I had it affecting all three areas on both sides. So I had like the super deeper version. So none of the normal therapies would work. They just made things worse. So I was left basically with nothing to work with. And um, I know there are many, many people out there that are in the same boat with different conditions, but they're not necessarily getting much help. You know, they're sent home with some, maybe some pain meds, and that's about it. And I'm the kind of person that, well, what I first did was, um, you know, I, I tried all of the therapies and kind of tried to get through it. And, of course, I believed that I was just going to come out the other side because that's what happens, right? You, you get through it. And it was about the first year that one of my doctors said, um, Sarah, you're not coming through this. This this condition doesn't get better. It's probably, it's usually progressive. It may get worse. You may lose the use of your arms. You know, you, I mean, it's like, what? So I fell into a depression for a while of what do I do with that news? I mean, how? what do I do with that? I, I'm not going to get better. And nothing physical, no manipulations, nothing would help. Um, so so then I kind of went to the other end of the spectrum from, from trying to work with it and heal it and make it all better to just being very stoic, putting up with it, living with it. Um, okay, this is this is the these are the cards I've been dealt. I'll just ignore it and carry on. And I did that for a long time, for like years. Um, and it worked better than fighting. It was less tense. It was less stressful, but I didn't get a lot better. Um, I learned to live within my limits, so I I got away from the extremely acute pain, but it wasn't healing. And one day I just thought, I I can't do this. I cannot live the rest of my life in this horrible pain with this extremely limited lifestyle and not feeling like I'm not healing. I have to do something. And so this is when I started writing I used journaling in the past for writing through emotional pain. And I thought, well, 
I can't do much. I can barely hold a pen. I can barely, you know, tilt my neck down to write. But so this is kind of a crazy idea. But what if I just write the pain out of my body? What if I try, you know, expressing it out or something? I couldn't, you know, I used to dance and do lots of movement. I couldn't do that kind of expressive therapy. I couldn't do art or anything like that. So I would sit and write kind of with this big fat pen that moved really easily over the page, maybe one sentence at a time, and then have to stop and rest and go back and write another sentence. And I just ranted about living with pain and how awful it was and how sad it made me feel and how much I had lost and how much shame I felt for being in pain and for not being able to heal myself. And um, I poured all that out into a couple of notebooks. It took me a couple of years to do that. I would stop for long periods of time and then go back to it. And when I finished with that, I, I read through that. And, and it was kind of awful to read it because I really saw what I'd been through. I cried a lot and I thought, wow, this was worse than I even let myself know. And yet it was also really healing to do that. Um, I kind of became a witness to myself. And I also realized that in that writing, there were things that I thought would help other people. I thought, well, how many people feel as alone as I do in this? Because I felt really isolated and really alone. And I also had come up with different ways of being with pain differently in this whole process. I thought, well, what if I wrote letters to pain? I started doing things like that. What if I let pain write letters back to me? I started doing experiments and things like that. So I started to develop a relationship with the pain in my body and began to see it instead as an enemy and something to fight as something to work with. And I thought, well, what if I change everything, you know, turn everything around on its head? Instead of thinking of this as a, a terrible invasion and why me and why now and why, but okay, I can't really think of it as a wonderful gift. I'm not able to do that yet, but how about if I imagine pain is just trying to tell me something? How about if I imagine pain is, is my body talking to me? How about if I try to listen differently to it? So that's where I started making some changes. Wow, what an incredible journey. Um, we're going into a break, everyone. When we return, you'll hear more from Sarah Ann Shockley author of The Pain Companion, Everyday Wisdom for Living with and Moving Beyond Chronic Pain. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned for more. The future of Internet radio is here. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Om Times Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, 
Why not make a date to come play with me in the Field of Possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday and together we can discover what's really going on. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back. This is Sylvia Henderson. You're listening to the Intuitive Transformations radio show on OMTimes.com, the voice of consciousness. And today with me is my guest, Sarah Ann Shockley. She's the author of The Pain Companion, Everyday Wisdom for Living with and Moving Beyond Chronic Pain. And before we went to the break, Sarah, you shared your amazing journey and, um, you know, through this experience of having... Uh, a TOS, how it came about, and what you came to learn from it through this journaling process, um, which um, is really where what launched the book for you to write this book and mm. to share it with others. And I'm so grateful that you did that because some of the things you touch upon in your book are things that people don't really think about when it comes to pain. And that's the emotional yeah. toll that it takes on you when you are in chronic pain. Because, you know, here you were given this very fearful uh, prognosis um, of you may never, you know, this is going to get worse, Sarah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can't even yeah. imagine, you know, how that is. And there is a sense of hopelessness that comes with chronic pain and, and depression as well. And so you talk mm -hmm. about all of these emotional traps, um, things that people don't think about, like the guilt and the shame associated with um, being yes. in the midst of chronic pain. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you bringing this up because um, when we're in pain, when we're in physical pain, you know, we focus so much on the physicality of it that we don't necessarily recognize what's going on for us emotionally. And um, it's so important for people to understand, both people who are in pain, to go, oh, wow, all this other stuff is happening for me at the same time. I just haven't really recognized it or been able to articulate it. And for those who are around people in pain and, and for those who work for people in pain, like uh, medical practitioners and therapists, that there's a lot more going on than just the physical pain itself. And one of the things, as you mentioned, is this incredible sense of guilt and shame. We live in a culture that, you know, we, we're supposed to be working all the time. We're doing our best. We're supposed to be on top. We're number one. All these things that we value so highly. And um, in most people in this culture, we have families where, where everybody's working. You know, nobody, um, not a lot of us can afford to not work. So we have a kind of a culture of carrying on and pushing through and continuing. And, and we have a very teamwork idea and a, you know, we've got one person on top and one person wins and all this. And this kind of mindset contributes to the sense of shame when we can't participate when we can't be doing our best, when we can barely be doing anything. And because we don't often 
I don't think we work with pain very well in our Western culture, particularly. We, we, we are taught to hide it. We're taught to not express it. We're taught to pretend we don't have it. It's, it's not okay to show you're in pain. It's not okay to ask for help in many instances, both for males and females. Um, you know, men are supposed to be super strong and take care of things, and women are supposed to be the ones that are helping others and not, not worry about themselves. And so we, we all have this paradigm of, of, of not you know, somehow being in pain is a mistake. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. And we, those of us who are in pain uh, tend to get a sense, sometimes it's overt and sometimes it's not overt, from others that we should hurry up and, and heal and get out of it already. You know, and, and we even will get this sometimes from our doctors, uh, you know, well, you can't be in pain that long. Uh, you must be exaggerating. It must be something wrong with your brain. Your brain must be misfiring. You can't be in pain. Well, if you have a condition that hasn't healed, yes, you can be in pain for years and years and years, and it's quite legitimate, and it's valid, and it's true. But we um, kind of feel this, this incredible shame and blame for being in pain. And, of course, we feel the loss of that, too. There's an incredible amount of sadness and loss that comes with being in pain. Because, again, it's not just that you're walking around with, you know, your knee hurts or your toe hurts or something. You know, when you're in pain over time, it spreads through the whole body. It, you become very fatigued. Just being in pain is incredibly exhausting. Your body's trying to heal, and it's also in pain, feeling this pain. You usually aren't sleeping well. You feel kind of zombie-like. Um, a lot of times when we have pain from a condition, you also feel like you have the flu. It's, it's, a, it's an overall kind of sick feeling in your body. Um, so we don't feel well. Our brains don't work very well. We're kind of in a fog a lot of the time. Um, we're not at our best. It's not, again, it's just, it's just um, becomes systemic. It's an overall um, condition that takes over the whole self or seems to, certainly. So um, we're not operating very well. We don't remember things well. We feel, you know, bad about not being able to participate. And when we go to do something, whether it's working or whether it's being doing something with our family, we might have to check out early. We might have to, you know, only do a, a few things. And sometimes people get a little um, impatient with us, you know, with not being able to participate. It's hard to be somebody who watches somebody else be in pain. And pain is not visible, so it's also easy to forget that somebody's dealing with pain like 24-7. It's not just something they can compartmentalize and stick on a shelf and go deal with later. It's with them all the time. Mm -hmm. So all of these things add up to a sense of shame and blame. Yeah. You know, that's so true is that people look at you because you look physically able. And, you know, if for me, it was going from being bedridden to all of a sudden now I can walk. And so people thought, well, because she can walk, she can return back to, you know, yeah. taking on the same responsibilities that she had before. But no, I had to be really careful about what I could pick up and what I couldn't pick up. And I left my yeah. career as a massage therapist and esthetician because I could not bend over a client anymore without because yeah. um, yeah. my lower back was just always um, destabilized. And so for me, one of the things that was a big challenge, which people don't realize with pain, is that sense of isolation and that loneliness that really feeds yeah. into that depression. And I also, um, you know, there can be a time if you're dealing with chronic pain that you go into this why me kind of story. And sure. so what can people do when they fall into that 
why is this happening to me? What did I do wrong? All of those questions that are not the best yeah. questions to ask. Yeah, well, they certainly, you're going to have them at some point. You're going to have, uh, you know, it's it's really difficult to be in pain over time. And there's going to be a switch from, you know, when we first have pain, we don't know it's going to be chronic. We don't step into chronic pain. We just, something happens. We we try to work with it. And then if it doesn't go away after they give a, a time frame of like three months, but however long that is when you realize or your doctor says, oh, guess what, this is not, responding or you're not getting better then we move you're no into longer a different key. phase you're now in chronic <laughs> you're now in chronic Sorry. pain and yeah no it's true and and there's a shift there when when you start out with pain you're not usually now sometimes people come out of uh intense surgery and they and they can feel very helpless and hopeless because it's so acute but if it's kind of manageable you know, or you think I'm going to come out of this, then you don't necessarily have these intense emotions yet. But um, boy, when you realize you're not coming out of it, or if it's really acute and it's really taking over your entire experience, it's really easy to feel helpless and hopeless. And it's because pain is so demanding. It's right in your face. You can't help but feel it. You know, it's just, it's taking over your whole experience. And Part of the illusion of that is that it is all your experience, is that it's all of who you are. It's, it's everything, it's everywhere, it's taken over, I'm invaded, all these feelings we have about pain. And it's a really difficult situation to be in. It certainly requires you to go find your, your deepest inner resources to get through it. We don't have a whole lot of help. That's why I wrote the book, too, is we don't have a lot of excuse me, support emotionally when we're going through physical pain because we're basically given medical uh, a medical approach for going through pain a physiological approach and we're supposed to deal with that but we have all this other stuff going on that becomes very very enmeshed with it and very intertwined with physical pain itself and that is these feelings of hopelessness helplessness loss sadness loneliness incredible loneliness and you feel like you're the only one there in a sense Yes, you're the only one in your pain, but there are many, many, many of us in pain. So you asked how people can work with this. Uh, one one thing I write about is to, to understand that, you know, pain is something that we meet in the human condition. We're in a very pain-avoidant culture, which makes pain wrong, but it isn't wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a signal. It's like, you know, the fire alarm goes off in your house. The fire alarm isn't wrong. It's not a problem. It's like it's a signal. It's it's strident and you can't stand it, but it's telling you something, and you'd like it to be there. So we need pain to be around to tell us. It's it's kind of a guide. It's a guiding post. It's a it says don't go that direction. Go over here. And as we begin to work with our bodies and try to mitigate it, we can we become more sensitive to pain's messages if we want to be. If we if we push against it and we just try to get it out of our bodies and don't listen to it and try to ignore it and try to deny it, try to submerge it, we're not going to be able to really respond to it that well. So learning that pain is a signal, pain is your body talking to you, it's you talking to you, and becoming a, um, a little more gentle with the way we are with pain, becoming more receptive, even though that sounds like a horrible thing, like why would I be receptive to pain? But again, yeah. it's trying to send us messages. And if we, we can learn to work with it, and if the pain can shift at all, it can shift more. So if we can, by becoming 
calmer by stopping giving up the battle, battle, battle and becoming more, okay, I'm going to work with pain as an ally. I'm going to work with this as my body is sending me a signal that something's going on and it's sending me the signal that it's trying to heal. That's what pain's saying to you. I'm trying to heal. So let's work together here. So you can notice when you're in more pain and less pain. You can notice what you're doing. You can notice whether things work or make it worse. Now, see, this is against our, I think we don't have a very positive healing paradigm in this culture either because we're told to just get over it and carry on and do as much as you can despite the pain. And that's not necessarily conducive to healing. We have to allow people to rest. We have to allow ourselves to rest. We have to allow ourselves to step back from trying to carry on and keep doing, 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 and being the super worker and the super mom and the whatever because we're afraid we're going to lose something more, excuse me, more if we don't. But that's not healing. We've got to step back. We've got to allow ourselves the time, allow ourselves the space, and allow pain the space it needs and the time it needs. I totally agree with you because – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) No, no, please. (laughs) No, I was going to – I know, but I just wanted to say that, you know, I totally agree with you because I know when I was – downing all of the pain pills, which basically just knocked me out. It did not take away my pain because sciatica is also nerve pain. But what it did was it knocked me out enough where I didn't have to feel the pain. But um, the more I resisted the pain and the, you know, the the worse the pain seemed to get. But when I finally got to a place after about two and a half months, just intuitively, I, I thought, okay, so why is this happening really? You know, what is it that I need to understand that I'm not getting here? You know, and how can, and, yes. and, you know, after two and a half months of being in the bed on, on your, on one side in a fetal position, you start going, okay, well, maybe this is how life is going to be going forward. I mean, I didn't know at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it's like, I had to meet my pain as this is my new reality instead of saying, no, 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 this has to go and fighting it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, absolutely. yeah, I think you're so yeah. right and on about how yeah. we're aversive to pain, you know? We don't yeah. want it there. We want it to go away, and we we can't do that. Uh, just what you focus on, or what you resist, persist. You know. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And we we get really tense when we're fighting. We contract. Yeah. The first response to pain is usually to contract, to pull in the breath, to just try to stop it. You know, and then not go near it. We want to stay away from it. So we're almost trying to push against our own bodies, or we're trying to push against pain. And that's a in because we're so pain averse and because we're taught that pain's bad, not how to handle it and how to be with it. That's a natural response. That's our first response. But it's over time that's not conducive to healing. And I believe that that contributes to chronic pain, chronic conditions. Um, so we have to learn to kind of let pain have a little breath and a little more space. It's it's kind of scary. It's you're we're scared that it's going to get worse. And we may even feel it a little more strongly when we do that. It may feel like it's worse for a moment. And then the more we relax around it, shift our breathing patterns, stop making it adversarial and say, okay, how can we work with, how can we work together here, pain, you and I? I don't like you in my body. I don't like you around, but I got it. You're here for a purpose. What is it? And how do we work together through this? Um, then everything shifts. Your whole physiology shifts and it begins to allow the healing breath and the healing blood flow and all of the stuff that needs to shift physiologically, but it also, of course, changes emotionally and changes your psychological 
that which is also in itself healing. So we have to remember we are not just flesh and bones. So if something is happening with pain in our body, it's not just our body being affected, and it's not just our body that needs to heal. It's the whole person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so what is really conducive to healing? Because I know, um, you know, you've already touched on one of it, one thing, and that is not resisting the pain, really kind of meeting it and, and trying to develop a relationship with it. But yeah. um, what else is conducive to moving through this journey of pain that so many people are suffering from? Well, I'd say that we all find our path through it. I mean, it's going to be an individual path, and that's that's one of the things we don't necessarily want to hear. But I think if doctors had the answer, we would be all out of pain by now. So I think we're pretty much (laughs) having to develop our own individual kind of customized approach. One of it is to work with pain, to to begin to have a dialogue with pain, to begin to communicate with pain in the body. You know, know, know that it's part of you speaking to you. So you can even imagine pain sitting in a chair across from you and saying, pain, what are you trying to tell me? You know, and and really actually listen. Or you can go sit in that chair if you're able to get out of bed and speak for pain. It's it's strange but wonderful that you'll actually get some something coming out of that that um, it's kind of mysterious, but pain will say, look, I need you to pay more attention to me. Or look, I need you to stop. Just slow down and breathe. Some very simple things, but things that we might ignore because they're too simple. Because really, you just want me to slow down or whatever it is that's the answers that you get. And I would say um, also in in the way of not fighting it, we don't go to the other end and acquiesce and give up. I'm not advocating that. We're finding this middle ground of working with pain and working through it and recognizing that this isn't all of who we are. This is just a part of our journey. This is in our entire life. There was a time before pain. There will be a time after pain. And it may be a longer journey than we would wish it to be, but it's going to be shorter if we work with pain than rather against it. And to realize we're not, you know, we we can feel very isolated and alone, but there are many of us on this road together. And there really are. There are over 25 million others (laughs) on this road together. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So we're going to another break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Sarah Ann Shockley, author of The Pain Companion on the Intuitive Transformations radio show. The cutting edge of conscious radio, Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living, a chance to see new hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? 
Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We are back. This is Sylvia Henderson, host of the Intuitive Transformation Radio Show on OwnTimes.com. You can also find this show on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, and a host of other podcast distributors. Um, today, uh, Sarah Shockley is here, and we are talking about chronic pain. And Sarah, before we went to the break, you even talked about you um, some tools that people can use who are dealing with chronic pain, such as you know, imagining pain is in a chair across for them and having a conversation and finding out what pain actually wants. And, you know, once you know and understand, and, and actually I don't find it odd because it's a technique we use in hypnotherapy and NLP quite a bit, and um, yeah. psychologists use it, they call it chair therapy. And it, it really does allow you to find that inner peace so that you can have more peace within that pain. And... Mm. You know, it's amazing how much the mind can control the level of pain that we experience. And that's not mm -hmm. to diminish the fact that the real pain is there, but it actually can turn up or turn down the dial of how intense that pain is. And I know one of the other things you've done in your book and that you promote in your book is writing a letter to your pain. You know, there's several mm -hmm. letters that you provide in the book, your own letters uh, that start off with dear pain and um, and your experience of pain and how therapeutic that is. And so what's one of the first things that people can do to, that will help them? You know, those who are listening, they haven't gotten the book yet, but I, I certainly hope they will go out and get it right away. I'm sure they can find it on Amazon and all the other book um, distributors that are online or at their local bookstore. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, but, but what can some of the listeners do who don't yet have the pain um, that will help them where they are at? You know, they're in yes. that state of, I've been with this pain for a very long time, and it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to go away. And, you know, they, they're in this state of uh, hopelessness, really. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I work with what I call antidotes, and I, I kind of go through all of the various emotions that come up around chronic pain. So one of the, the first things that I found helped me was to begin to deal with the various levels of the self that pain affects. If I couldn't fix it physically, which is what happens with most of us in chronic pain, we're trying everything physical to fix it and it's not working, then I went to, okay, how can I be with myself differently? How can I be with pain differently? And how can I address everything else that's coming up? And that actually did affect my physical pain and helped it to begin to heal. So one of the things we talked about writing letters to pain, but I, Find ways to express the pain you're in, is what I would say, um, either by writing, if you can, writing in journals, writing letters to pain, writing letters to your body. And you can do it um, by, you know, you can start out the way I did. I would absolutely get the ranting out, out, you know, get the anger out, get talk about how awful it's been and let yourself see it. Let yourself know. I think we hide it from ourselves how bad it is because we just have to keep trudging on and trudging on. And as we repress all these emotional responses to pain, it doesn't help the pain heal. It kind of helps lock it in place. 
So if you can begin to move that in any way, you can write, you can dance if you're physically able. I wasn't able to do that, but I highly recommend any kind of movement if you can do it to express what it feels like. You know, obviously you're going to find a time when you can be alone to do that. You can scream into your pillow if you need to. You know, find a way to let it out and let out that sense of futility and anger and hopelessness and frustration, whatever you're feeling. And I also would, after that then, don't stop there. Continue and continue expressing, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want my life to be? You know, what what can I create from here? And I would, um, you know, one of the things that happens when we're in pain is we think it's, this is it. It's never going to end. It feels like forever. And we kind of continue to have that proven to us by it being still there the next day. But one of the reasons I feel it's still there is because we're we're unconsciously kind of locking it into place by fighting. And so all of the things we've talked about this morning um, can contribute to unlocking it and then helping it move on. I also um, advocate people finding somebody to, to tell your pain story to. And this mm-hmm. is not the same as going to the doctor and listing your symptoms, which it usually doesn't feel very good. Actually, I usually felt worse after I had to tell somebody my symptoms. It made me feel depressed and awful, and my pain shot up. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about finding, if you can, um, someone in your family or uh, a trusted friend, if you, if it's possible, and ask them to please just listen. Ask them to be present with you, to just hold the space for you to be in your pain and to not try to fix you, to just let you be where you are. This sounds very simple again, but this is profoundly healing to find somebody who is able to just be with you where you are in your pain and not ask you to be different. And you're going to have to kind of lay those ground rules out before you talk to them. You might have to, um, you know, you might have to hire someone. You might have to have a therapist do this for you. But I think it's always best if you can possibly find somebody you're connected to already. And, you know, if you don't know who to ask, think of somebody who is, that you know who has been through something, not not necessarily physical pain, but some kind of loss that they've come through because they'll get it. They'll get how lonely it feels and they'll get how intense it is for you. They probably never talked about it either. So you want to, if you can find somebody who can just listen and then tell them your whole story and, and they can hold that. They can have an emotional response that you want them to not pity and you want them to not try to fix. It's really important to just let them know the whole thing. And probably you've never told anybody how bad it is. Most of us don't. And it's really important to just express that. That in itself is massively healing and freeing. So I definitely advocate doing that. And and also, um, I work with breath, too. Um, I find that we hold breath a lot when we're in pain. And we breathe very shallowly often and we might pant a little bit or we might be restricting the breath. So in terms of um, both releasing emotions and physiological changes, um, I have a lot of exercises in the book for for working with breath specifically, but um, just notice your breathing. I tried meditating when I was in a lot of pain and that didn't work because I couldn't sit up straight and I couldn't do deep breathing. That made the pain worse. So I experimented a lot with with breath and noticing what I was doing with my breath and, you know, and, and noticing that I was breathing very shallowly and thinking, well, what if I shifted that somehow? Why am I breathing so shallowly? Oh, because I don't want to feel the pain, of course. Painful 
breathe deeply. So I thought, well, obviously that's not healing me because I'd be healed already or I'd be better. So how can I shift that? And I thought, well, why am I holding my breath? Because I don't want pain. I don't want to feel, but I also don't want to give pain anything. I don't want to give it any room. I don't want to give it any breath. I don't want to give it anything. So I'm kind of almost using my breath as a wall against pain. Mm -hmm. So I did something. I just thought, well, let's experiment with the opposite. Let's have pain start breathing. Let's allow pain a little breathing room. And again, this is, this is really counterintuitive, but I began to experiment with giving pain more room to breathe, to allow it to relax into what it, it was already there. And fighting it was just making me really tense. So what if I just let it be where it was? And imagined it breathing and imagined breathing with it and imagined breathing around it and breathing into it. And and not all at once, as I did, you know, little bits at different times. But I would advocate experimenting with that. Experiment with how you might be trying to use your breath to stop the pain. But instead, it's, it's more of a clamping down and a, a contraction. It's not really stopping the pain. Or you might not feel it in the moment. And you don't have to take deep, painful breath. But just begin to release and relax. I also talk about uh, breathing into the space where there's no pain. Because one of the things, again, we, we think that pain is everything and everywhere. But there is a place of no pain. It may be outside of your body, but there's a place you can put your awareness that has no pain. And to just kind of go there, to just do that as a little bit of a release and notice, oh, yeah, here's the pain and here's the no pain. Here's the pain and here's the no pain. And kind of breathe in both those places. So just experimenting, getting creative with that, and so much of this involves shifting the paradigm of how we are with pain, shifting our perception of pain, shifting our response to it, and therefore that shifts our experience of it. Wow, that's amazing. I, and I love that, just having someone hold space for you, because that yeah. has been proven to be incredibly healing without yeah. the judgment, without the advice, just so you can be heard because it's something yeah. that people hold within them. And when you're not feeling that it's safe to express, to have your voice heard, which, which people without pain don't feel heard quite often. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Just yeah. being heard alone is so therapeutically healing it's that's amazing yeah and, and, and we know being... that about emotional pain but we don't always know that about physical pain that right. it's important to be heard it's important for it to be seen it's important for it to have space it's important for it to be recognized and respected and allowed to be where it is before it will move on yeah. sorry i interrupted you yeah. i got excited no no <laughs> no i that you're just so dead on i mean i just love everything that you have shared in your book and what you're sharing here on the show and then even like putting your awareness where there is no pain even if it's outside of your body and for some of you who have not practiced any mindfulness techniques before um, hearing this show there you know she um, Sarah does a really good job of explaining all of these exercises in her book and it's really not about as she already said it's not one size fits all it's finding what works for you but she offers this yeah. wide variety of, of things to play with and and if you look at it that way instead of I've got to get out of this pain this like directive of do or die you know and just have some gentleness around it and some curiosity around yeah. it which I think yeah. is really yeah. 
how I even start. I mean, I had some amazing healers work on me, but I think that's part of what helped in my recovery process was I got out of the yeah. judgment of the pain and the yeah. judgment of myself yeah. for having exactly. the pain. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is so important. Yeah. Part of this is learning to be softer and more tender towards pain, but it's also mm-hmm. learning to be softer and more tender towards ourselves. To stop being so demanding on ourselves to hurry up and heal. To just allow, for whatever reason, we're already in it. So allow it to take the time it needs. And that's hard to do. It's really hard to do when people around us are wanting us to hurry up and get better. So we kind of are going to have to find ways to hold our own space for that and hold ground for that. And we may have to voice that. Like, look, I'm healing as fast as I can. My entire job right now, my entire consciousness, my entire awareness is on healing. And that's taking all of my energy and attention. I have very little left over. So I need you to kind of step back and let me do this. <laughs> let me take the time it takes and kind of help yourself take that pressure off because we're under tremendous strain and pressure to heal every day, whether we realize it or not. But if you, when I say this, you'll realize, oh, my gosh, that's true. You know, that's always there. And yeah, do this kind of yeah, fine ways to allow yourself to be with what already is and then move yeah. forward from there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you just hit the nail on the head. We put so much pressure on ourselves in our world today. I mean, it just starts in <laughs> kindergarten. <laughs> oh, my know? gosh. And it yes. just kind yeah. of remains the theme through our lives as an adult about what we should yeah. or should not be doing. And there's yeah. this kind of because I know what it's like, you know, like you said, you were very physically active. I used to work out in the gym for two hours at a time. And then all of a sudden, all I could do was, you know, remain in a fetal position for just um, over three months and then, you know, hobble around the house afterwards. And, and it is, um, it's a journey and it's a process. And if you can look at it that way, and allow yourself to experience it as a journey and a process and recognize yeah. that life is still a gift and find yeah. that gift within your life and find those areas where you can find some places to be grateful, you know, yeah. bring it's in some really gratitude. Tough. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you, you have, sometimes you have to find the smallest things like I got up and I took a shower. Yes. Yeah. You know, yes. give yourself the little successes <laughs> without pushing, but just like, Hey, that was that was great. That's enough. That's all I need to do today is just kind of get up and move around a little bit. That's awesome. And and not do anything else. Sometimes some days I had to make like one phone call to for some disability thing or something. That was all I could handle was that one phone call. But, you know, cuz we're we're it's so hard to do the most minimal things when you're in pain. So just to let up on ourselves, give yourself a break. You know, other people may be wanting you to be different. Just let yourself be where you are, and then that is much more healing. It's a paradox that if you allow yourself to take all the time you need to heal, you will heal faster. It's just, yeah. you know, it's pushing doesn't make it go faster. No, nope, yeah. not at all. So it just creates more strain and stress. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. We want to let go of as much stress as we can. We're already under a lot of stress just because we're in pain, so we don't want to add to that. And, um, yeah, just be kinder and, and understand, as you were saying, there are some hidden gifts in this. Sometimes they're hard to find. Sometimes you got to dig through the rubble to find the gold and, the, you know, what, 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 can I, what is actually good out of this. 
But you, I've talked to so many people who have lived with pain for a long time, and there are gifts. It's not necessarily the path you want to take to get to those gifts, but they're there. You, you, you have to get in touch with the deeper parts of yourself when you're living with pain. Or maybe you don't have to. I suppose you could avoid that. But, but if you're really going to come through this in a more healthy way, you, you can, you know, it's, in order to find that healthy way, you've got to get in touch with your deep inner resources, your, your the sense of who you are eternally without the pain. Who, who are you still in there? Because you're still in there. You know, the, your body might be in pain. Your whole field of being may feel like it's just pain. But there's a you in there that is still shining and bright and eternal. And you just go there and stay with that and know that. And there's gifts of wisdom, there's gifts of insight, there's gifts of compassion. And sharing those is also something that you can give out to the world from your journey. Absolutely. And for you, Sarah, it was the gift of writing this book to help so many people out there who are suffering with chronic pain every day and have felt stuck in it as if it is, it's some kind of, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I want to say prison term, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be imprisoning. You can still have yeah. freedom in the midst of chronic pain. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Sarah, you've been an absolute delight. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you very much, Sylvia. It was great. Great to be here. You're so welcome.